We get started uh, because we've got uh, a rather ambitious goal today in class, and that is by the end of our time today, we've got till right, uh, 845, I want you to be able to tell this story from memory. All right, so that's the goal, that you would walk out and be able to do that, and we'll take some steps along the way to get there as we're exploring this story, and I hope uh, that maybe it also leads to some insights and some thoughts about this story as we do that. So um, in many ways, what we're doing this morning is, yes, about the parable of the persistent widow. It is equal parts about a way of exploring scripture that I've found very powerful personally and also very powerful pedagogically in my classes with my students. It goes by various names, uh, but uh, biblical storytelling is a common way to talk about what we're doing. And I'll, I'll explain some of this method and what, what goes into it as we, as we get into things. But I, think, I first want us to have some experience with the, with the story. So I've, you've got a little handout here. Uh, a little booklet, <clears throat> and if you open up to step one, it's got the text of the story from the NIV. Uh, maybe you need your readers there, it's kind of tiny. But these are easier to pack than trying to do you know, bigger booklets. Right? Um, so I'm, I'm going to read it. <clears throat> We're going to actually have a couple experiences of the story. I'm going to read it once, right? and then I'm going to invite one of you to read it, and then I'll tell it uh, from, from memory. But I'm going to read it, and this is the way, I don't, know, I don't know what your churches are like. This is how I typically hear scripture read at church. I'll read it that way. Mm -hmm. right, and then I'll invite one of you guys to read it in a different way. So someone to get up, maybe right behind a podium. Let's make this spine around. Okay. Church setting. Okay. <clears throat> then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice, so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? That's, you know, it's about how I hear it. I said all the words, right? I think I enunciated them all. Right? I didn't stumble, got through it. Right? Uh, and so that's often, I think, how we hear Scripture, when we hear it aloud. And I don't want to be too hard on that experience. Right? We're kind of trained in what we know. That's what we know. That's what we expect. That's often what we do. And I think part of the reason that someone might read it that way uh, is maybe out of reverence for Scripture. Right? And maybe a fear that if I read it with too much feeling, that maybe I would be inserting into Scripture an interpretation. Right? So there's this, there's maybe this attempt or, or thought that if I just kind of read it as flatly as possible, then I'm kind of I'm not I'm not imposing myself on it in any way. Uh, which uh, again, I appreciate those motives, I, I think, but uh, it's also wrong, right? Because what, as soon as you read it out loud, you are interpreting it with your voice and with your body. And if you choose to read it flat, that's a choice you've made that is offering an interpretation of this story that may or may not be an interpretation that is helpful for us understanding the story. So uh, I want somebody else, I know someone in this room can do better, right? So I want someone else to volunteer to read it, right? And I want you to read it maybe with a little more feeling than I, than I give it. You want to volunteer? Yeah, what's your name? Amanda. Amanda, okay, Amanda. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, 
Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice, so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones, who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice, and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, he will, will he find faith on the earth? All right, well done. Good job, thank you. All right. uh, so yeah, you can see there's a lot more that can be done with this story. Uh, if we go ahead and read it with some feeling. Join us today. Okay. okay, here's a handout. We're just okay. reading through the story a couple right. times. Thank yeah, you. you're, you're here right time. Uh, so thank you for that, right? And, and, and that was cold, right? Without any kind of preparation or more time to reflect on the story. If you had more time to read it and reflect on it, then maybe you would have thought of some other things that you could, we could have done, right? And that would have been a blessing for us to hear and maybe we could have walked away with some, some other possible understandings of this story. Um, I want to offer one more telling. I'm, I'm just going to tell it to you. And so you can kind of close your books, right? Because this, when I tell it, then it's about us connecting with each other in some way, right? I'll try to make eye contact, and you'll see me, uh, which is a little bit different than, than the experiences we've had so far. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show that they should always pray and not give up. In a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary! For a time, he refused. But finally, he said to himself, All right, even though I neither fear God nor care what people think, yet because this woman keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who, who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice, and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? All right, so there's the same parable, right, told with... It, 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 rather than being read. I want us to reflect, so I'm going to give you a moment there. You've got some space if you want to. Write down some of your reflections about the story in general. Like, What are you noticing about this story as you've now heard it these three times? But also maybe jot down some thoughts or reflections on, on the differences between the three experiences we had of this story. All right, what are things that you might notice that were different about those things? So give you a moment to jot down some of your thoughts and then we can discuss together. All right, let's start first with some things you noticed about the experiences. What were some differences between the three different readings or tellings of, of this story? Some of them might be obvious, and you can name the obvious things. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, the first one was like the flat reading, but the podium was there. Okay. It was like a barrier between us and you. Yeah. And then the second, when Amanda read it, it was uh, a voice. Like if we're all still looking this way, it was yeah. kind of like a voice from the speakers. Mm -hmm. um, but yours was kind of participatory, like yeah. like we were closer. Okay, all right. 
So I felt some immediacy there. Maybe that was absent. Maybe because the podium was in the way in one place, or right, we were kind of hearing a voice, but maybe we weren't able to look at Amanda while she was doing it. Amanda, right? Yeah, we weren't able to look at Amanda. Part of that maybe because the barrier still, the text is still kind of a barrier even then, right? We're still looking at a page, maybe rather than, and we're hearing this voice, but we're not necessarily looking at her when she's doing it. And then that changes when I ask you to close your booklets and just hear the story, right? And invite you to look at it. Yeah. Each one became more personal. Okay. The first one is it's intellectual. These are facts. I'm, I, you know, nothing but the facts, man. Okay. That type of deal. The second one, I tried to kind of let you think, okay, what was the motivation behind what was being mm -hmm. said? Mm -hmm. um, using my voice inflection, which is more difficult when you're not facing people and using gestures. Yeah. And then when you told the story the third time, it's really easy for us to be almost like someone's just telling us, a, a friend or someone is telling us a story that happened to them. Mm -hmm. And so it makes it more personal. It makes it more easy to sit there and make those personal connections yeah. so that when we leave, even if we don't remember word for word what that story was, we get the point. Mm -hmm. We're not going to forget that because that story has been embedded in our mind in a way that only oral storytelling can be. Okay. Yeah, very good insights. I think, I think you're exactly right. That there, and then I like to say that it became more personal for you as I shared something in a way that was personal for me. I think sometimes we worry if, if I tell the story in a way that kind of infuses it with, with what the story means to me, then somehow that will impose upon you my understanding of the story. And in fact, I found that the opposite happens. If I share something with you that is personal to me, what it instead does is ignite your own imaginations, right? And the story becomes personal to you in ways uh, that, that may be different than what it means to me. Right? But then, yeah, then it sticks with you, right? The, there's something about the, the emotions being engaged there that makes it more memorable, more, more lasting. Yeah, I, I find it's more engaging in a sense is you communicate with the, the whole body, your voice, your facial expression, your hand gesture, you come in and out. Help me to follow the story, follow the flow, and naturally allow you to guide us where you want us to go. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, we'll, and we'll talk some about like the, 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 the toolbox of a storyteller. But yeah, movement, where you stand, what you do with gestures, of course your voice, how quickly you speak, how slowly, how loudly, how quietly, like all those things right, are things that you're doing that you can experiment with and make intentional choices about. But yeah, it can help guide uh, people through that story. Right? Uh, and so it's not just kind of words washing over them, but there's actually a story here to experience. Yeah. Uh, this is like one of my most favorite, not favorite parables. Okay. That's why I'm here this morning. But, um, I'll transfer doing it no, for no, you. No, no, no. I just, I've read it so many times, but I've literally never heard it read out loud to me. Okay. So, like, her reading was awesome and gave me, like, I just was hearing it differently than yeah. when I read it myself. And both times, hers and yours, I heard the widow differently than I've ever, I'm sorry, I'm going to cry, than I've ever heard her before. Yeah. I just always thought of her as just this meek, please help me. Okay. Oh, man, she read it strong, and you said it strong. Like, give me justice. And I'm like, whoa, yeah. that's a whole different widow than what I've ever heard yeah. in my head. So yeah. I don't know, just the difference of what the word can be mm -hmm. based on. And, and opening up some and possibilities for you. It's okay yeah. to impose yeah. because you might hear it differently, or it might mean something differently. And right now, I need that. I need justice <laughs> in my head. Like that's where I'm at right now. That's right. So, Anyway. Well, and, and so if I'm going to tell this story, then then part of part of why it becomes important and meaningful for me is I have to make decisions about every detail like that. Right. How, how is the widow going to sound when I mm -hmm. say her her dialogue? Right. All right. Is she going to sound meek? Yeah. Or is she going to sound forceful? 
in some way. Um, or there's room for comedy here. If I was a funnier person, I could probably pull it off, right? I think there's lots of funniness in this story. And her, and her, her cry is one of them, I think, right? So, uh, and so what can I do that would, that would maybe draw some of that out? And, and those decisions, uh, hopefully, are not just um, me kind of, well, I think I want it to be this, right? I, I've got to experiment with things and find something that actually fits with the story. And with the, the, the NIV's translation, I think this is the new NIV, which is update of of the uh, the other one, I can't wait when they came out, 2011 maybe when they did this newer one, or more recently, they've actually changed uh, some of the language, right? So this idea that, that, she, that he's worried about her coming and attacking her. Yeah, right. right? That's, a, that's a newer translation that may be different than what you've heard before, but once that's in there, right, then you, you kind of, she's got to sound a little more forceful, yeah, right? Exactly. Uh, I, I was looking for an image to put on the front of the book, and I found this one of, of kind of a meek-looking uh, person. Uh, I liked the I liked the aesthetic of it, but yeah, it's, it's a little bit milder widow than I think actually does justice to the story. And this, by the way, is a fairly faithful translation. It's it's actually a notoriously difficult line to translate, uh, and so you find a lot of variety if you look at the English translations. What they do with that line? What she said. Uh, Some like uh, otherwise she'll she'll wear me out by her by her continual kind of coming. You get that? Yeah, persistence. Or uh, some even go as far as to say, like, she'll give me a black eye, right? Uh, because that's, some of the language is about, is kind of has to do with the, the harm to his reputation. Like, his reputation will be harmed like, as if he's been given a black eye, right? And so this, this you know, he'll, yeah, he'll, she'll come and attack me is kind of building on some of that, that part of the, the language. I see someone else's hand that was, yeah, what do you want to say? Well, I mean, I work with early readers, and one of the things we try to do is have them see mm-hmm. what they're reading. And, you know, tell me back picture, all that, so you can see it. And while you're telling that story, I can see that judge in his thought process. Okay. As you're telling mm-hmm. that story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah. Well, let's get into. I'm, I'm wanting to say things about what's coming next. Let's just jump into it next. I'll talk some about this, kind of the the contours of this particular approach. So if you turn to the next page, I've got some lists there of. Some, some basic commitments of this way of exploring scripture. And so there are a number of ways that you might tell scripture. You might do paraphrases, you might do you know, kind of other things, right? What I'm describing here is what is, again, sometimes called biblical storytelling in circles. I'm a part of a lot of it are things that I've learned uh, from a group called the Network of Biblical Storytellers international, uh, and that, uh, that there's a gathering of people who are interested in this kind of thing, and some books I've, I've read from folks from that community, uh, and so I've, I've listed some of that here, but I'm, I'm outlining some of the commitments that I see are part of this, this method, so I'm just going to outline these quickly, some things, so you kind of know what we're, what we're doing here and why we're doing it. One, uh, the goal is to be verbatim rather than to paraphrase, All right? and that's not because a paraphrase could, or kind of a more creative telling could not be meaningful. That might be a really meaningful exercise, both for you as a person developing it and for people who would hear you tell it that way. So I'm not, it's not, I'm not here to say that's not valuable, but it's different than what we're doing. Right? And, and uh, the way I think about it is um, any art form has constraints, and those constraints are what spark the creativity. It's like a painter is going to have to have a canvas and some paints, right? There's only so much that a painter can do with a canvas and with paints, right? And yet it's those constraints then that, that force creativity or, or spark or kind of a catalyst for creativity. So I see the choice to kind of stick to the verbatim language from a, of a certain translation as one of those constraints that actually is a source of creativity. Right? Uh, and so it really is a way to, to think deeply about the words as we have received them, knowing that what we have are English translations, so we shouldn't get too hung up 
right, on any one word. And so I always tell my students when we do this, feel free to consult other translations and borrow as you need, right? If you're, if you're working through this and learning it and there's a phrase that just does not sound right, doesn't come, sound natural coming from you, well, look at some other translations, right, and see if you can find some of the language that works better. And then feel free to kind of bring that in. So the end goal, as I put here, is 95% accuracy when it comes to the gist of the story. We should be adding anything or taking anything out of the story. And let's aim for 75% verbal accuracy. That is, we're going to get the words right, right? But we're going to give ourselves some wiggle room to make mistakes, right? Or to bring in some other language, maybe from other translations, that we think is, is more helpful. So I've given you the NIV, and well, that's what we're working with today. As you continue to work with this story, which I hope you do, you might incorporate other translations, right? And that, that's fine. Uh, the, other, the other point here is that what we're after is what I call internalization rather than memorization. Right? I think a lot of us are familiar with scripture memorization. Maybe we did it as kids. We stopped doing it, some as adults, some of us, right? But, uh, but memorization is really about the head, and the goal is just kind of get the words into the head, and it really it doesn't really require an audience. As soon as you've done it and you've kind of been able to say them to, the, to yourself, then maybe you feel like you've, you've got those words memorized. And again, not that that's not a valuable thing, but what we're after is something deeper and different. Uh, and so by internalization, I'm thinking about let's get it out of our heads and more into our bodies, into our hearts. Uh, so it is in a, in a more embodied way of explaining scripture. So you're going to use gestures and facial expressions. Your voice is going to be involved in how you communicate meaning. And right, at some point, you've you got to tell it to somebody else. Right? And so that's what we're after is that internalization. Know it deeply enough that then we can tell it in a way that is natural. Right? That doesn't sound just like rote recitation. Right? Memorization leads to recitation, but actually a telling. Right? Internalization leads to a more natural telling of the passage. Which leads me to the next one. Right? What I think we're doing here, I would call storytelling rather than acting. And, and a couple of big differences. When you're acting, you're trying to take on a different persona other than yourself. Right? Uh, and that's not what we're trying to do here. I want you to be as much you as possible. Right, and to learn the story well enough that when you tell it to somebody, you're telling it as yourself, right? Telling the story to a friend. That's the goal. Right? And of course, the other big difference between storytelling and acting is that acting imagines kind of a fourth wall between the performers and the audience. And that is eradicated in this approach, right? I'm making eye contact with you the whole time. This is about us connecting and engaging. And that's storytelling, right? Which is a different thing than, than acting. So if you're not an actor, don't worry, right? We're all storytellers. Right? We all tell stories to friends. And that's the goal. How can I learn the story well enough that when I tell it to somebody, it sounds like how I would tell a story to a friend? Right? This next one here is probably maybe the most potentially controversial, right? but I think it's important. Right? I think what we're doing is, is playful rather than pious. And what I mean by that is that it is possible for us to have such reverence for Scripture that we kind of put it up on a pedestal and it's almost untouchable. Right? And what we're doing is more playful. Right? We get into it, we experiment, we try things. And by playful, I don't mean unserious. Right? What I do mean is that it's a low-stakes environment where we can experiment with something and fail, and that's okay. Right? If you're playing a game on your phone and you lose, oh, well, you just start over and try again. Right? But the stakes are low, right? and so you can keep trying things. And that's the idea here. That's, that's what I mean by playful. We can explore things. And if there's a part of the story we don't like, like Ming said, or we're wrestling with, then maybe we try something. We're like, nope, that's not it. Let me try this instead. That's okay. Right? You might be wrong, and there's far worse things than that. Right? And so that's what I mean by playful. And the last and most important thing for me maybe is that this is communal rather than individual. This way of exploring scripture cannot be done alone. It requires at least two people, someone to tell it and someone to hear it. And so it's communal in that way. But also at its best, uh, I, I think if we can see the same story embodied by different people, right, then that can help 
deepen our understanding of that particular story. Right? It's communal in that way as well. Um, so uh, quick feedback here. I want us to keep, keep us moving so we can hopefully get to our goal. But any, any feedback or questions about any of those commitments before we actually start working with the story a little more directly? Yeah? I think for us, it, is, it can be a challenge to focus on storytelling rather than acting because our culture doesn't have that well storytelling tradition. The, what's taken the place of it is acting. Okay. Because we we're very literate society. Yeah. And I think that it's important for us to remember as we start working on storytelling is that when Jesus was telling these stories, acting wasn't a wasn't a thing. Storytelling was that oral okay. tradition. And so it really, I think, to me at least, helps when we t do that storytelling rather than acting it out. Puts us back in the mindset of what Jesus was actually trying to do. Okay. Because that's what he was doing. Yeah, as I mentioned yesterday in our class, all of these compositions were meant to be heard aloud, right? but not in a theater right? by actors. Right? They're meant to be heard aloud in a community of, of Jesus followers telling stories about Jesus to each other, right? which is a different setting than, than the theater. Uh, yeah, and I think we have maybe lost some of that in our print culture, but we're not as comfortable with that. To parent tradition, uh, in the Church of Christ, where I've grown up, we're not very comfortable with our bodies either right? when it comes to worship. And so, like, getting our bodies involved can be kind of awkward for us, right? And this approach asks us to do that, right? Which can be awkward, and, and, but then also really enriching. Um, and, and I think we've missed something, right? By, by staying a little bit more cerebral, maybe, in our thinking about Scripture. Not, not just our worship, but in our thinking about Scripture, too. For being a little too That's right. That's, yeah, maybe you've been reprimanded before. Yeah. No, that's, I wouldn't be surprised at all, right, if, if that had happened. So there's, there's, there's going to be some resistance, I'm expecting here in a moment, right, as we, we learn this story. And I understand that, right? That's understandable. All right, uh, to start learning the story, right, uh, the next step I want us to take is to just start paying attention to the structure. And so if you flip over to the, to the next page there, I've, I've given you another even smaller print uh, version of the, <laughs> the story. And all I want you to do now is as you're reading through that story, I just want you to circle a word that you think starts kind of a new section. If you were to divide this into parts, where those parts begin, right? And just circle the word that you think begins a certain part, right? And after you've done that, then in this space over here, that's why I wanted to give you a little blank space, write a short title for that section, right? For each part. Um, you know, one or two words, just to kind of give a, give a sense of what you think that part of the story is about. And this is a short story, so you might not have many parts, which is fine, but just kind of mark it up, see, see where you feel those natural transitions, those natural movements of the story, and mark those. I'm guessing that a lot of us will notice some of the same transition. Right? The story has a kind of structure to it that uh, that will be that will that will intuit in very similar ways. Uh, maybe not exactly the same, and that's fine. Right? And that's where the fun of biblical interpretation gets into. Right? We get to we get to talk about it, defend why we would arrange things the way that we do. But a lot of us would intuit some of the same movements. Uh, in the interest of time, I'm just going to lay out for you kind of what I see the structure for this uh, story being, and then that allows us to jump in and actually start trying to learn it together. But um, I actually would put, I think I have more parts to the story than I typically would for a story this short, but it just feels like it kind of falls into these parts for me. So um, I'm going to write up here in purple, right, good ACU fashion, I'm going to put it up here in purple uh, on the board. So I see, um, I see it kind of having a frame, 
right, where the opening sentence and the last sentence frame the whole story. And I would, I would if I was to give a title to that frame, I think it's about human faithfulness. Right, so you kind of you have that at the beginning, and we've got that at the end, because Luke tells us why Jesus is giving this parable to his disciples. Right, so that's a helpful frame, like for what at least Luke thinks we should get out of the story. Right, that he tells this parable because he wants them to always pray and not give up. That's why human faithfulness. And then it ends with, right, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? Right? So it ends with this frame, right? So I think that to me is the, the frame. So then what do we have in between? Well, um, I, would, I would see it kind of as a, well, I'll put it this way. Right? I would put a part A, right, and I call it justice delayed. Right? So this is the story about right, the woman, the widow, coming to the judge asking for justice. And I might end this with the line, for some time he refused. Right? That's kind of part one for me of, of the story itself, right, within the frame. And I think in some ways that, that for some time he refused, that could be either the beginning of the next section, maybe, or the end of this section. Maybe it kind of hangs out there on its own a little bit as a transition phrase. And if I was to tell this, maybe I'd want to give a little space around that phrase. That is, pause. Let some silence hang in the air. Right? Let that, that refusal kind of sink in a little bit. But I would end it there, right? And then I would kind of part B here would be a, a, a justice breakthrough. Right? He, he changes his mind. Right? And he is going to grant her justice because of her persistence, right? So that second part of the story is where, where this justice delayed is this kind of remedy, right? That we have a breakthrough. So that would go through the ending of the parable itself. And then, right, the next section, uh, I, would, I would put here, I'm going to put it back here kind of as a how we do things in biblical studies. A little A with a with a little mark there, right? A prime, right? It's I think it's a it's a mirror of the first part, right? And I would even title it the same thing. But I put a question mark, right? Because I think that the next part is Jesus is offering his explanation of the parable. Uh, if you notice, he is affirming that God is not like the unjust judge. And yet all of the justice he says that God is going to bring, if you read, it's all about the future. Will God uh, delay? Will he keep putting them off? Will he give them justice? And the answer is yes, he will. Right? But it's future tense. Right? Uh, so there's not a doubt that he will do it, but from kind of the perspective or experience of the people of time, that, that that's in the future. And why are, we raising, why are we even raising these questions about if he's going to keep putting them off unless it kind of feels like he's not answering our cries for justice? And so I think the second, this, this last part, actually is affirming that God is not like the unjust judge, right? He says that very clearly, I think. So there's a contrast being made here. If even an unjust judge eventually gives justice, surely God will. But why are we already having to make that point unless sometimes it feels like God is not responding to our cries for justice? Our experience of God sometimes is like the experience of an unjust judge. Right? And so Jesus is affirming, it's not, he's not that way. <laughs> but again, why does he have to affirm that except that sometimes that's exactly what it feels like? And so this story, I think, in the end is a story about what does human faithfulness look like when our experience of God is kind of like the experience of an unjust judge.
And what are we going to do? And the, 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 the model of the widow is you just, you just keep expecting and asking for justice. You don't stop. Right? And, I, and I compare it maybe to my wife and I's uh, kind of theology. Right? I'm a fairly um, stoic person. Right? I don't get too high. I don't get too low. Bad stuff happens. I'm like, that's life. Right? Bad stuff happens in life. Right? My, my wife is, gets angry. Why would God allow this to happen? That's not right. right. And some people look at our responses and they misconstrue my response as the faithful one because I don't get upset at God when bad things happen. But that's actually not true because I didn't expect much from God in the first place. Right? My wife expects there to be justice and expects God to do And so she cries out. Right? And I think part of the, 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 what this parable is laying out there is where will people continue to do that even if it feels like they're being unanswered? Or will they slip into apathy and kind of give up on expecting God to do anything about injustice? Right? So I think that's, for me, right, as I work through the story, I think that's part of what it's wrestling with. Yes, me, work quickly, because we've got to get to learn the story. Uh, uh, yeah, the thing is, how, how I, I, I thinking, how can we convey the message? It's not so much God is not granting us justice, but rather, God has given us justice. We just don't see it. We don't understand it. How can you bring that fact? That uh, how can you bring that emotion into this storytelling? Because Jesus asked them, "Can he find faith in the people?" It's not so much God has given the justice. It's like you know God is justice, not like this evil one. It's just we don't see it. A lot of times, God giving us justice, we don't see it. Yeah. So I think. Theologically, that's correct. Right? Within the story world of this particular parable, I think what this parable is tapping into is that experience of feeling like my prayers are going unanswered by God. And we might theologically be able to work our way around and know, okay, that's, that, like, there's something else going on here. But we also can't get away from the experience. Right? And we need to be honest about that experience. And I think this parable helps us be honest about that experience and think about what we do when we have those kinds of experiences. All right, so again, that, that's kind of my takeaway from the parable. That's as much interpretation as I'm going to offer. Right now, what we're going to try is we're, we're trying to learn it. Uh, and so what I want to do is to learn it is we'll just do kind of a call and response. Okay, I'll say a line, and you say it back to me. All right, and then I'll say that line plus another line, and you say that back to me, right? And we'll just kind of build, and, and I'll guide us through this. So uh, you're welcome to stay seated, right, because getting up and out of these chairs is a little bit difficult. But I encourage you to use your voice, experiment with gestures that you think would be helpful. I mean, I'll be offering my gestures, and you can imitate those as you want, if you want. But you can also use your own gestures if there's something that you think would work better, that makes better sense for you. Uh, but don't uh, not use gestures or kind of vocal inflection because those are actually mnemonic devices. The more your body gets involved, the easier it's going to be to remember. Right? If you're just trying to do it in your head, it takes a lot longer to learn. Okay? So go ahead and get the body in, involved. All right, so um, I'm going to start with, let's just start with the story, right? And then we can kind of add the, the frame maybe at the end. Okay? The story is... <clears throat> So I'll say it right and you say it back to me. He said, in a certain town, there was an unjust judge. He said, in a certain town, there was an unjust judge. He said, in a certain town, there was an unjust judge who neither feared God nor cared about people. He said, in a certain town, there was an unjust judge who neither feared God nor cared about people. In a certain, he said, in a certain town there was an unjust judge who neither feared God nor cared about people. And there was a widow in that town. Okay, so let's, let's, all you got to say, and there was a widow in that town. Okay, let's, let's go from the beginning. 
He said, in a certain town, there was a judge. Just judge, thank you. Yeah, who not here? Feared God, nor cared about people. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, give me justice. Or does it, do I say grant? I'm getting translation. Grant, grant me justice against my adversary. Right? So she kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversaries. So let's lay that line together, right? And she kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. And find a, find a voice for, for your widow here, right? That, that's, that works. Okay, let's, let's tell that part uh, from the beginning. He said, in a certain town, there was an unjust judge who neither feared God nor cared about people. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. Okay, I'm hearing some good voices, and that's good, right? And then this part ends with, for a time, he refused. For a time, he refused. And so that's... Right? That's part A. Right? So let's even say part A altogether. Right? He said, in a certain town, there was an unjust judge who neither feared God nor cared about people. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I got confused. I'm confusing translations. He neither feared God nor cared what people thought, I think is what it says. We're going to do with cared about people or cared what people thought. Care about people, sure. Let's go care about people. Yeah. That's what we've been learning, right? I think I've, I've switched to the NRSV, right? We neither feared God nor cared about people. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversaries. For a time, he refused. Right? And then I think I'd like, I'd give a little space there, right? I promise. Right? So we got part, we got part one learned. All right, so now let's learn part two. This is longer than part two, right? Part two is... Pretty quick. <clears throat> but finally he said to himself. But, but finally he said, said to himself. himself. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear even though I don't fear God or care what people think. Right? Finally he said to himself, even though I don't care about God or care what people think. I don't fear God. I'm getting more confused than before. Right? Even though I don't fear God or care what people think. Right? This part's easy because it's just a repetition, right? We're back to now he's the funny this is the funny part, right? There's some funniness here. He knows this about himself, right? That he doesn't fear God or care what people think. But let's say that part one more time together. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think. Yet because this woman keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice. Yet because this woman keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice. Let's say that whole part so far together. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this woman keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice. So that she won't eventually come and attack me. So that she won't eventually come and attack me. Maybe, you know, get a little sock in the face or something, right? Get the black eye in there sometime. Okay, so that, that's, that's part B, right? So let's say that whole part together. But finally, he says to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this woman keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice. So that she won't eventually come and attack me. Okay, all right, so that, that's, that's both these parts, right? So let's see if we can say them all together, right? So all that we've learned so far from the, from the very beginning. All together, right? You don't have to wait for me 
Let's just say it all together. <clears throat> he said, in a certain town, there was an unjust judge who neither feared God nor cared about people. <laughs> and uh, there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversaries. And for a time, he refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this woman keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. All right, very good. Okay, so that gets us, that's actually the parable. Stops there. Okay, now we get Jesus' interpretation. So let's, let's learn that part together. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? All right, let's say that one together. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? Okay, let's put those two parts together. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who, who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? Right? So we've got who, who cry out to him day and night. Will he keep putting them off? Okay, so let's see if we can tell this part all together. Right? And Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice. And quickly. Good part. I tell you, he will see that they get justice. And quickly. So that, that gets us right through this part, okay? So let's, let's see if we can tell that part, uh, the third part, all together. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. Okay, good. All right, so then all we have, right, is the, the introductory and the closing frame, right? In the interest of time, right, that part, I think you can learn it fairly quickly. We're about out of time. So what I want you to do now is I want you to turn to somebody near you and try to tell the story to each other. All right, so last piece, right? Your job, if you're listening, is just to sit there and listen. And if they get hung up somewhere, you can jump in there and help out because you've been learning it too. Right? So find somebody and each person I want you to have a chance to tell the story to each other. Right? And then I'll, I'll say the last one. Alright, I'm going to have to interrupt and I hate to do that, but I want to respect your time if you're trying to get to other classes and others that might be wanting to come in. Let me just say a couple things here to, to close our time. One, one of the things I love seeing as you're doing this is smiles on faces as you're exploring scripture, which is a nice thing to see if you're a teacher. Uh, helping each other out. Right? That's a beautiful thing to see, right? When, you're, when you know the story together and you kind of help each other tell it, if you get hung up and the person you're telling it to can jump in and help you and then, and then you, can, you can go right on. Also, this obviously were the very beginning stages, right? Uh, it was an ambitious goal for us to learn a whole story with all the other discussion ahead of time. But we spent about, you know, a little over five to ten minutes 
actually working on internalizing the story. And already, as I'm listening, many of you can tell it uh, from beginning to end. And maybe there's some places where, you, where you're a little confused about the words still, but you have the story down right? in some, some of the movements and some of the main, main stories. So my encouragement to you is keep, keep working on it. Keep making this your own. Uh, and then I want to challenge you, find somebody to tell it to. Because in my experience, the true magic and beauty of this way of exploring scripture really bears fruit when you actually tell it out loud to another person. And that will require some vulnerability. Uh, but in my experience, that vulnerability often is rewarded by, by something special happening when you, when you tell this story to somebody. So I trust you to find the right time and the right person, but that's my challenge to you. Uh, the last little part in here, if you haven't gotten to, is just a chance for you, uh, kind of invitation for you to reflect some on what this story might mean personally for you. And some of that reflection can also help kind of with the internalization process, right? Getting out of your head, getting into your heart, so that when you tell it, you're telling it from this, this well, this resource of emotion and experience, that you're not... Yes, given those words, you're still sticking with the words of the story, but those words have now been infused with kind of the, the meaning of your various experiences and the emotions you connect with those experiences and, and the power will, will come out through the words that are given in that story when you tell it to somebody else. So thank you very much for coming this morning. It was a joy to be with you and uh, blessings on the rest of your day. I've got more of these if you want to take one for some friends.